0: On today's show, our guest is Chef Jeremy McLaughlin, who has a fine dining background and is now heading up Pecos Pit Barbecue and its franchise expansion. We'll also discuss the importance of finding recipes that will do your body good, along with a lot of more industry news. It's all ahead on the Seattle Dining Show.
1: Hi, this is Kathy Casey. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show.
2: Coming to you live the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today.
0: Welcome to the May 2020 Seattle Dining Show, number 2005. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Hey,
1: is it margarita time yet? Wow. Oh, hey, May is. Uh, I know. What are you going to do for... Uh, wow, I didn't hopefully, think Hopefully, you know, that. you get
0: unlocked down by May 5th. Well, May 4th was the original date, so I'm sure that Inslee will take it right off so that the yeah. 5th can be celebrated as... Appropriate, And everything will be just like it was, right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be just as stupid as could be to open on, on May 5th and have Cinco de Mayo and everybody just gets out and gets really drunk? And
1: Well, every other table is, is uh, taped up with caution tape. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's six feet apart from each other. <laughs> and and all- then the server actually has a little pulley system and they yeah. deliver your drink to the table yeah. on the pulley.
0: Everything comes with a lid so it doesn't spill. Yeah. 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 I can see it happening. I can see it happening. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we've missed a lot of stuff already, but now Cinco de Mayo is coming up. That's just
1: life in the Corona era. Well, you know, it's uh, basically it was uh, St. Patrick's Day to Cinco de Mayo, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Hmm. Good thing it didn't take uh, No uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas out. That would have been
1: not yet. Uh, yeah, maybe this year. Might be in part two. You never know. Yeah, lovely.
0: Well, hey, along with everyone else, we've been talking about cooking at home more during this age of corona. And you've been talking specifically about people needing to vet where they get their recipes. Like, for instance, grandma's 80-year-old recipe may not be the healthiest dish on the block. And the fact that she or her mother were feeding farmhands who needed calories and sugar for energy, we don't live that way anymore. So we don't need that kind of recipe. So you need to look for... um, Recipes that are a little closer to, to healthy for you and what you need. And also, if you're looking for gluten-free recipes, consider that you shouldn't be adding too much salt and sugar just to get the flavor outcome.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's got to
0: be a, a different way. The other thing we wanted to talk about in terms of vetting where you get um, well, recipe. Oh, go ahead.
1: Well, uh, you know, I, I read a script here, and, and, I, and it got me thinking, you know, um, there are ways to substitute sugar in a recipe. Yeah. You can do half the amount of sugar or even a quarter of the amount of sugar and use some stevia. hmm And uh, you just have to watch how you portion that out because it's not a cup for a cup. It's like a tablespoon for a cup or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, you can do that with, in terms of things with salt. You can substitute in potassium chloride. Mm-hmm. Or you can do the light salt, which is like a fifty-fifty of salt and potassium chloride. Yeah, and you always want to have a little bit of the, of that what that original thing was, but then you're going to have it or whatever. Yeah, with something that's your body needs just as much potassium chloride as it does salt, and yeah. you don't get enough typically.
0: And also, both of us did this with our doctors, where we had blood tested, and you know we have our sodium looked at, all the and the and the potassium. And since we started using potassium chloride. It's much more even. Mm-hmm. We're getting closer to the amount of Yeah, we're getting potassium. better numbers yeah. in the blood test. So it, it really does. It didn't take long to do that either,
1: to, to get to that point. So yeah,
0: yeah. It is a really good thing.
1: So, so uh, I don't know. I, I'm thinking I'm going to have to put together an article of, of ways to substitute the bad with the good.
0: Yeah, that would be a great article, actually.
1: And, uh, and in a minute, I'm going to tell you how that came how how i got that idea but go ahead okay
0: um uh, one of the things we were talking about was that the seattle times has been publishing recipes by a 14 year old uh former master chef junior competitor it's it's very fun we love to see younger people getting into the culinary arts and she's doing recipes that she hopes other kids will make at home but again we have to suggest looking at ingredients before you jump in to make things For instance, one of the recipes she has was for raspberry jam, and this is in quotation, so good you'll want to eat it with a spoon. The recipe has four cups of fresh raspberries and two cups of sugar.
1: Didn't need to do that.
0: And it makes 16 ounces. Yeah. If you ate an eight-ounce jar, you're eating a cup of sugar if you're doing that by the spoon. No (laughs) wonder you want to eat it by the spoon. It's all sugar. That's a lot of sugar. And I get that at 14, I could have cared less about how much sugar I was taking in. You know, probably the more the better. But um, first of all, do you want to eat that much sugar? And second, do you want to shape your kids' or your own palate that way?
1: And do your parents want to deal with you after you ate that much sugar?
0: And you know what? My mom was not a a big proponent of sugar. We didn't have candy around the house. We rarely ate cookies. She baked once in a while, but it was not a thing that we had dessert every night. Mm -hmm. And I at one point went into the dentist and had something like 13 or 30 cavities at one sitting. Mm-hmm. The minute they put... Um, Coca-Cola? Shoot, no, what what did they put in the water? What am I trying to say? I'm blanking all over Oh
1: sudden. um
0: Oh, a Clorox. Oh, no, oh, no. that's... <laughs> that's now. That's now. No, not bad. But they put this in the water, and I never had a cavity after that. Call fluoride. Fluoride, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, that was... Genetic for me, there was something going on with mm-hmm. my um, teeth. But, the you know, and, and I, I had that many cavities without sugar. So what if mom had been one of those moms who just said, oh, God, let's uh, candy's fun. Let's have it around all the time. Um, I would have been in a world of hurt much more than I am. So um, the other things that I found interesting that she was doing was like her pizza dough recipe. It has an eighth of a cup of sugar in it. Now, I personally have never made pizza dough, so I went out and looked several recipes up. Bobby Flay uses a teaspoon of sugar for just about the same amount of flour that she's using. So, Eighth of
1: a cup is two te- two
0: tablespoons. Okay, so she and he's doing one teaspoon. The food and wine recipe uses no sugar, and, and they were using slightly less flour. Mm-hmm. So, it so is she's not getting like, her
1: recipes from Grandma somewhere.
0: Yeah, and like I say, I think it's fun. I love that she's doing it, but... If you as an adult are looking at that and saying, hey, you know, that would be fun to do with my kids, think about it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um.
1: Well, I bumped into a recipe the other day online that was posted up by a, a prominent chef in the region who I will not name, and it was for brownies. Based on Maida Heater's Palm Beach Brownie. Do you know who Maida Heater is? No idea. Well, I looked her up and she was uh, some sort of famous baking woman. Yeah, oh, Who I – uh, uh, she, she was calling for uh, uh, one cup of flour, three cups of sugar <gasps> into brownies. So I, I have given Maida a new – A new uh, – uh, Nickname. Yeah, like a nickname, like a like a title. Yeah, like a title. Okay. She's the mother of the diabetic coma. <laughs> she would be happy she's going down in uh, history this way. And, and someone suggested that that was an awful lot of sugar ratio to flour. And the chef said, yeah, I tried it with only two cups. It wasn't very good. <gasps> so, you know, uh, if you got the taste buds for sugar... It's it's healthy to wean yourself off it if yeah. you can, and, and you, everybody can. That goes back to my theory of uh, do you want to shape your palate that way? Right. If you get
0: used to it, certainly at a young age especially, nothing's going to taste very good. It's just sort of like my mom wasn't just a salt lover. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she had extraordinarily high blood pressure, and eventually she died of a stroke. So what do you know? But, uh, you know, you your taste buds are like that. We all have certain things. And and I like to think, at least for me, what seems mine is tequila. Yeah, that's your palate.
1: In fact, I make brownies with tequila. All the better. Oh, it's agave. Isn't that a sweetener, you know? <laughs> I make sure not to light them up either. I don't <laughs> want all that alcohol. Flaming like that. brownies. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> well, did you want to talk about a hummus recipe?
1: Um oh, you mean you want to talk about mine? or the one that the 14-year-old stole from me? Yeah, that, you know, the whole And then I stole that. I I stole mine from a guy, a doctor, yeah, who stole it from Abdullah, who's <laughs> <Yeah>. a Mediterranean <laughs> Sous chef.
0: So see, ultimately the same 14-year-old master chef junior does have a good recipe out there because it way back came from Abdullah. So we have That's got to be racist in some way.
1: Oh sure. Just use a name that, that's specific yeah. to a region and you're being <laughs> racist. <laughs>
0: Well, at least we're saying nice I'm things about Abdullah. I'm not sure about which Abdullah. race you're being racist towards, but <laughs> it's a it's a a good racist comment because Abdullah has a great recipe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh um anyways, this recipe that I have is uh in Seattle dining currently, correct? And you can run it into May? Yeah, I can. I think it's still up there. Yeah. So, um what I learned in putting this recipe together was that uh, if you go to the grocery store, most hummus isn't made with olive oil. It's made with soy oil or sunflower oil or safflower oil, all these all these vegetable oils that are bad for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I got to thinking, why why is that? Why wouldn't I just make it with olive oil? And then it, it, it became obvious to me when I started thinking about money. Um, you're looking at, uh, 50 cents an ounce for olive oil. And you're looking at about a nickel to 10 cents an ounce for sunflower, safflower. And if you're making volumes of things. Some of them don't even know what they put in. They say on the ingredients list, it says, is, uh, safflower or sunflower oil, safflower and, or, you know, so, uh, and you know, that's another
0: thing that we have to, uh, train our minds on is that certainly we grew up in a time when that kind of stuff was very popular and if you say vegetable oil that sounds like something healthy yeah you know safflower
1: it comes from vegetables that yeah, counts as a vegetables. vegetable serving that exactly day? especially if you fry <laughs> it
0: you know and you have to stop and say hold on you know look at
1: the high smoke point and Look oh, at and what's the, in it. The plaque that this is putting in your arteries, yeah. the arterial plaque that yeah. is caused by these types of oils that we're talking about yeah. is why you want to. And, you know, you can you can eat plenty, plenty, plenty of olive oil because it doesn't have that arterial plaque in it as long as you're buying good quality. Yeah. If you're just buying something that's cheap, it could be cut with the canola thing. oil, yeah. which is horrible for your body. Yeah. So – yeah.
0: In fact, in, in an upcoming podcast here, fairly soon probably, we'll have um, the owner of A Bit of Taste, the Queen Anne Olive Oil Company. Mm-hmm. We'll have her on, and she's going to give us a little – when she decided to get into this business, she did some massive research, and she is a you know walking fountain of information about the quality of olive oils. So it'll be interesting to hear her takes on all this. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, just to sort of wrap up this whole thing about – think about your recipes – We just we think it's great that no matter who you are or how old you are that you're into cooking, that you're getting other people interested in where their food comes from or if you know, making it themselves. But you've got to look at the recipes and take them with a grain of salt and a lot fewer grains of sugar.
1: Yeah. And maybe a little potassium chloride instead of of a lot of grains of salt. Yeah, exactly.
0: Do you want to talk about this last item?
1: Yeah. You, you want to talk about what we've
0: been eating and yeah. making at home? We were talking about advertising, but um, we don't have to do that right now if you'd rather not.
1: Oh, um, let's just go to the eating, drinking okay. thing at home. All right. Um, I've made a couple
0: things lately. One of them I didn't put on here, but it was I made uh, grass fed ground beef and organic black bean burritos. Mm-hmm. Those were good. They were good. Yeah. And I made enough that we each could take a couple home and stick them in the freezer and have i still them. got them in mine. No, well, I've eaten both of mine.
1: Yeah. And you made some enchilada sauce over the top of those. Yeah, I
0: didn't. I bought a can of enchilada sauce. Oh,
1: is that what you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I haven't good. eaten it yet, so it it's going good. away now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it had quite a bite to it.
0: I liked it. Um, one thing I made was a pasta puttanesca, which is one of my favorite things. Um, I had some... Uh, Whole wheat linguine at home, and I had purchased some Amy's organic marinara for something else, and so instead of using whole tomatoes and crushing them with my hands and things like that, I just used the pre-made marinara, adding some garlic, kalamata olives, capers, and red pepper flakes. It was really good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. And then the other night for I us, didn't have that, did I? No, I had that on my own. Okay. Um, I've got some marinara sauce left here. You know
1: where I stand now. Yeah, you'll have some later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I made a chopped salad for us.
1: That was really good. That was really
0: good, wasn't it? I, I went out, I kind of did what we like to do, which is go out and look at several recipes, and then um, I found one that I liked most, and it was using romaine pepperoni, which I found some uncured grass-fed pepperoni, red onion, artichoke hearts, black oil, cured olive. And chickpeas, then I threw some carrots in and Parmesan cheese, and they called for like some probably safflower oil or something and some red vinegar. But I went with basil olive oil and organic oregano balsamic. Mm -hmm. And I thought, because that seems very European, uh, not European, but Mediterranean to me. And I just thought that whole combination, I was kind of thrown in the kitchen sink, oh, I got some tomatoes, oh, I got some carrots.
1: So I just threw everything in that I needed to use up. Well, I hope you write this up and put it in Seattle Dining.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. And, and
1: then when, once you do that, you can slip it off to the uh, 14-year-old junior yeah. master chef. Yeah, please copy this recipe.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's what I
0: was making at home. What about you?
1: Um, well, I, I made a, uh, a leg of lamb. Mm, that was good. Which I have never done before. And I don't think I've eaten leg of lamb in probably 40 years. Really? Oh. Once you have
0: a bad mom experience.
1: It's... Yeah. My mom used to make lamb and have the mint jelly, yeah. which kind of covered up everything. <laughs> no wonder my dad used to love that. But, um, but it's, it turned out all right. Now, you know, the recipe I used, I did it in a sous vide. Um, I think I actually just sort of, well, I used a charmoula uh, um, oh, recipe yeah, yeah, out of the America's Test yeah. Kitchen. And talk about what's in there. Uh, lots and lots of spices: mm-hmm. turmeric, paprika, lots of garlic, uh, garlic. There was uh, garlic powder because mm-hmm. you don't sous vide oh, live right. garlic. Uh, there was uh, red chili pepper flakes. Um, I can't remember them all. Salt yeah. and pepper, of course. Yeah. And then and then you you, you made the paste that you put onto the lamb. And then you, I vacuum-packed the lamb and put that in a sous vide for 12 hours. Wow. And had it at one thirty the whole time. And they said it's, it's, like, uh, it's kind of like having beef tenderloin. I didn't think it was exactly like having beef tenderloin.
0: You know what? It wasn't, but I will say this, that I had been jonesing for a steak and a baked potato, mm-hmm. and I was going to do it the next night. And, you know, I wasn't really in the mood for it. I felt like I'd had... Yeah. My meat dinner. Yeah. So it did, although I didn't think it tasted anything like it and the texture is not quite the same, I did sort of have that satisfaction, that Mm -hmm. feeling of satisfaction.
1: So, yeah, so you had the paste and then you made a similar sauce that you used for dipping in while you were eating it. Mm -hmm. And that had olive oil. It also had turmeric and paprika Mm -hmm. and a lot of the things that were in the paste, but in a very liquefied form because of the olive oil. And also,
0: um, I think maybe the
1: the parsley or something. Oh, that's right. It called for cilantro, and we used parsley because we didn't have any cilantro. And it had a bright green
0: Mm -hmm. flavor
1: and look, Mm -hmm. which
0: to me, I was thinking, because you were telling me, hey, that's kind of the same sauce that you put on it in the sous vide. And I was thinking, yeah, why would you want to dip into it? But it was a totally different thing. Well, we didn't put the parsley in the paste. Yeah. So So, uh, And that made a huge difference. It felt like a springy, lovely, bright sauce Mm -hmm. that really, I think, uplifted. And for the most part, I did not think the lamb was gamey. But if I got a little bit of gaminess, that sauce took it right out.
1: And then we had uh, half the leg of lamb left over. So vacuum packed it up and put it in the freezer. And Mm -hmm. we'll be bringing that around as a leftover some night. Yeah, and it'll be delicious. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing I made... Twice was the first time I really screwed it up. Uh, was monkey bread? Oh yeah. Oh you, yeah. Because everybody is baking, you know. So, so um, you just have to be in with the crowd, I suppose. If everybody jumped off a cliff, you would do that too. Yeah, my my first attempt failed because I forgot to put the yeast in it, <laughs> <clears throat> so the flour never rose. the The irony of this for those of you listening is that
0: he didn't have any yeast at home, and he called me to see if I had any, so he had to go. to Two stores, I think, to find yeast, and then he forgot to put it in.
1: I went to seven stores, and all I could find was pizza crust (laughs) yeast.
0: And then you forgot to put it in after all
1: that. (laughs) So when that failed, then I thought, I want to try this again. So I contacted a friend of mine who had been posting up pictures of her husband holding large bags of flour, and I thought, you know, if anybody has yeast right now, Aaron's going to have some. Yeah. And sure enough, Erin had some, and I went over and grabbed it off her front doorstep and uh, brought it home and had much better success on the second round. Um, But what I need to do with this recipe is refine it into a healthier Mm – I went ahead and did it by the book, which is a 20-year-old cookbook, which was based on healthy Mm -hmm. eating. Uh, In other words, they would substitute – Whole wheat flour for white flour. Yeah. But uh, I, th- I think I can get this down to an almond flour and an oat flour yeah. combination. And and I don't think the yeast is going to be that necessary because what they do is they have you make the ball of dough and then they have you mash it down before you turn it into little tortillas to wrap yeah. the, the nuts and the dried fruit into. Yeah. So that's going to change. Uh, it called for honey in the mixture of the nuts and the dried fruit. Well, that just stuck to the bottom of the, of the bowl that I blended them all up in. Yeah. So we're going to switch that to maple syrup. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's going to be lots of little morphing going on on the third attempt here, and we'll see how that one goes. Yeah. So. yeah. I
0: know, you know, sometimes for me, I get frustrated when things don't work out. I think for you, it's a challenge that you really enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. that wasn't what I wanted, but I did like something about it. So let's see what we can do. It's it's something that you get some pleasure out of, you know, fixing.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. And I have that's fun dissecting thing. recipes. You know, we did that thing that time out on the Olympic Peninsula where we dissected the uh, almond oh, yeah. carrot cake. Yeah. And that's I, become, I pretty much hit a home run on the first
0: one with that one. That's become something that not only you and I look forward to, but other people say, are you going
1: to bring that again? Uh, yeah. I, I can't bring anything new to that 4th of July party because <laughs> I've got the same thing every year. You
0: and I both, I made that salad and you made that, and they're like, oh, that's got to come
1: again. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, the other thing we want I to talk about. I think we need to take a break. Oh, okay. So let's do that, and then we'll come back and we'll get back into our discussion. Here. All right.
2: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at queenanneoliveoil.com.
0: Hi, this is Ethan
3: Stoll, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
1: We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Aaron, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the front of the house and the senior editor. And because we have no calendar today, we're just having an extended introduction. Yeah, we're just having some chit chat. We wanted to talk
0: in part two about um, some two more Sagemore wines that we were able to try. We talked about Miguel the Man on our last show, if you want to go back and listen to that. And then this time, the first one we tried was called Stars in a Row. It's a 2015 Cab Sav from Bacchus and Dionysus Vineyards, and the winemaker is John Abbott. Um, I was going to do this with dinner, have it with dinner, so I decanted it early. I let it breathe for about two hours. Um, I thought it was very smooth, very deep, but it wasn't leathery, like earthy. Um, And it seemed the same to me, whether we drank it alone or had it with food. The flavor stays with you as you taste and swallow. It doesn't disappear on your tongue. So those were kind of my overviews.
1: And my notes were that it was uh, very mellow and smooth. Uh, we had paired it with a marinated ribeye steak. How did we re- marinate that steak? Was a 20- it was yeah. black cherry ball. Yeah, oh, it was cher- overnight. 24 yeah. hours in black cherry balsamic. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you got to watch out. <laughs> what'd you put with that uh we smoke it on the barbecue with some rosemary make a really nice steak yeah and uh, i thought it was better with food than on its own i didn't think it was a real like a drinking wine it mm-hmm. was a better food wine yeah uh, the flavors were activated more on your palate when you had food
0: hmm so um i love kent walliser of Sar- sagemore who um we did an interview with, which is, the first part's up now, the second part will be up shortly um, on seattledining.com. And he had emailed me and said, uh, what did you think? And I said, well, so far we've tried Miguel the Man and Stars in a Row. And although Stars in a Row is a more expensive wine, I thought we both kind of preferred Miguel the Man. It was a little more... um, uh, uh, i don 't know it popped more, I guess is what I was kind of trying to say, and the cab is a very mild and mellow cab, and I was thinking, oh god he 's just going to be you know upset that i 'm saying these things and instead, I got an email back and he said you 're spot on huh. and he said it 's actually one of the things restaurants tell me they love about the cab is that when somebody orders it it 's good right from the bottle they don 't have to decant it it 's oh. already mellow, and it has to do with what uh, vineyard vineyard the grapes are from, so like Miguel the Man is from the wine bow vineyard, and all wines from that vineyard carry more structure.
1: And where is that located? Do you know?
0: Oh, uh, they're all uh, uh, in the Columbia Valley, very close together. Okay. Um. So the so because of that, Miguel the Man may feel more tannic and structure than a cab from the Bacchus and Dionysus vineyards because they're older. So um, I thought that was really interesting. So then we tried, without rehearsal, (coughs) Excuse me, and it is a a Sauvignon Blanc Sémillon blend, the first vintage of their white Bordeaux blend. Um, The vineyard manager is Lacey Liebeck and the Wall's winemaker, Allie Mayfield. They're the two that are behind this wine. And the grapes are from the Bacchus vineyard. I thought, you know, going into it, a lot of Sauvignon Blancs are too grassy for me. Everybody started jumping in on that New Zealand technique. Mm-hmm. And I uh, am not crazy about it. And semions a number of ones that I've tried I haven't been crazy about. Blends work better for me here. And this one I really enjoyed. And it did... Uh, we had it, again, with dinner. We tried it without food and then with dinner. And as it kind of warmed up on the table in front of us, I thought the Semillon came out more. But I still liked it. So... What do we have this with, fish? I'm trying to remember. Um,
1: I don't recall. I don't recall. But it was either chicken or fish. It could have been that caper chicken you made. Oh, it might have been, yeah. Yeah. I I liked it. Um, It's a little bit sweet. had a lot of honey in it. And uh, it went well with the food. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the things I did today was uh, put a link up on Facebook To the Sagemore article, because, you know, right now everybody's trying different kinds of wines Yeah, all kinds of deals going on everywhere. Yeah. And uh, the young man over there at yeah, he is uh, encouraging residents to don't buy wine from him right now. Go buy them from the little guys. They need the business. What a lovely
0: thing to do. Yeah.
1: So, um, this is, you know, the thing about Sagemoor is you're actually buying wine from essentially a new winery, yeah. but an old vineyard. Right. So, you're getting some, you're, you're probably getting some of the best new wines that are on the market mm-hmm. because these guys have been growing these vines forever.
0: Yeah. And because it's new, you could help them out by trying their wine and buying it because they're mm-hmm. just trying to start this up and say, are we going to continue it? Yeah. You know, so yeah, back them. Um, Kent had told me. And I had forgotten um, before we had it that we should chill the wine to about 50 degrees and then try it over time, which we kind of did, and observe it as it warms in the glass. He says that it really opens up, which is probably why I enjoyed it, even though I was getting more semillon as we went along. Um, but we really didn't pay enough attention to that. So, you know, I'm thinking that means we probably just have to try it again. <laughs> you know. No Send more the research. Case our
1: way, please. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Well I know with uh especially with whites, uh temperature I think I think you know, there's there's probably a perfect temperature for all whites and it's different for each one. Exactly. And I, I know I remember I used to have um Lacole forty one mm-hmm. Chardonnay. No, it was Barnard Griffin Chardonnay. Mm. It wasn't very good when it was really cold. And it wasn't very good when it was warm. But if you got it right in there around 40, 50 maybe, it was really good. Yeah. So. I
0: think, you know, again, it differs wine by wine, but also person by person. That's another thing that I think we forget. You know, everyone's palates are different. So while I may really like, in a blend, one of the grapes particularly, and maybe that comes out as it warms and I like it better. You like it less. We don't usually have that problem.
1: But Well, now I'm going to make a million bucks. Yeah. You know how I'm going to do it? You're going to have a wine refrigerator that each, each nope. bottle holder is uh-uh. on its own. It's a little box on the table, about 10 inches by 10 inches, mm-hmm. and it has four oh. slots in it. And you drop your stemless wine glass in there, and each slot you can dial in the temperature. At a why, different... why
0: are you saying this in public before you've trademarked uh-huh.
1: this? I own it. Yeah, it's
0: ours. It's This is uh, 2020, early 2020,
1: <laughs> and it's ours. I'm going to go to the Hughes Corporation and have them fund it. Yeah. Because Howard Hughes always liked to have his soup at just a particular oh. temperature, and if they'd had the box like this, yeah, they could have had a soup right for him all the time, not have to keep running back and heating it up again. And you know what you need to do is
0: your box should be a little bit larger so that you could, on each of the four things crunch it in together or pull it out open so a bowl of soup would fit or you put it hey, closer together and the glass fits. Yeah. So it's almost like, uh, you know, a fondue sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I don't like Except it. Except I never get the fondue to stabilize either. Yeah. There's got to be. We'll, next show we'll have that one figured out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you want to take a little break? Yeah. We'll okay. Come back and, then and we'll come back and we do have news bites, even though we don't have restaurants doing full bore business we got news bites we'll be right back
2: support for seattle dining and the seattle dining show is provided in part by b&e meats and seafood your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in des moines birrian newcastle and the top of queen anne hill unique
3: products great meats the freshest seafood and a knowledgeable friendly staff make shopping at b&e meats and seafood the best choice
1: Hi, I'm Erica. I live in Finney Ridge in Seattle, and one of my favorite restaurants is Poquito's.
2: Hello, this is Takumi from Jungle City in Basel. You're listening to Seattle Dining Show. You-
0: We are back with our News Bites discussion on the Seattle Dining Show. You are here with Tom Marin, publisher of Seattle Dining, and Connie Adams, senior editor. One of the things I want to say as we get into News Bites is that I've put together a few things that are going on, what some restaurants are doing. Everybody's doing as much as they can. So these are just a little blurb. Don't think that these are the only people either doing takeout or doing good things. Everybody's contributing This is just a tiny little look at what's going on in Seattle and surroundings. Um, You can certainly keep up with our News Bites as they happen by reading the News Bites column at seattledining.com. So the first one is one that you told me about. It's New Sprouts. It's a healthy grocery, organic food and supplement store, and it is going in at 13010, 13010 Aurora Avenue North in the old Albertson space. This is going to be their fourth grocery location in Washington, and what did you tell me it's, it's from the They mid- have like Midwest? 150
1: stores all through the South. In the South, okay. I, I, I say it's all through the Bible Belt because it's, it's across the Sun Belt. Oh, okay. It's, a, you know, it's everything on the southern United States. Okay. Is the Sun Belt connected with the Bible Belt? Is, are, are Bible people really Sun people? Uh, it's how they get their UV rays. Oh, okay. It's how they get their UV light.
0: <laughs> Inside their bodies? Deep inside their body. when they
1: go out of church and it's sunny, then they, they get <laughs> in their U v light for the day um,
0: Silverdale, I believe is open. It was supposed to open April eighth and it is listed on their website, so I think it did open Seattle that location on Aurora still shows as coming soon, so I don't think it's open yet so I'm going to be interested to
1: shop the store, yeah, and it's I supposed hope to it's be a better experience and- than like the new seasons was yeah. I hope it's comparable to Central. I doubt it'll be as good as PCC because it's pretty tough to to be as committed as they are to the type of food they carry. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about a chain of 140 stores scattered throughout the South. I don't think it's going to be yeah. quite as good as PCC. And you know
0: what? This is a probably a rude comment, but I don't think of that – Sunbelt necessarily being the home of organic healthy foods exactly and healthy eating. So that's, I guess that's what That's I'm what saying. you're saying, yeah. yeah. Well, and also the sheer size of it, although you think size-wise they might
1: have more buying power. But well, it looks like they only took half the Albertsons, so we'll oh. have to see what's going to go in next to that between them mm-hmm. and the pet store. There's oh. something else going in there. I don't know what it will be. Interesting. So it's not going to be a big
0: place. Interesting. Um. Here's a nice something someone's doing. There's a company called Good Planet. It's good, and then planet is P-L-A-N, small e, and then another capital letter in T. So I don't know. It's like good planning, good good planning for the planet. I don't know. In any case, they make plant-based, non-GMO, allergen-free cheese products. And the weekend of April 18th, they donated 1,500 bags of cheese products to the Rainier Valley Food Bank, and on the 21st, the next weekend or next week, they made another big donation to the Tacoma School District to help kids. So that was great of them, you know, because not only are they helping people, but it's actually something they can eat that's good for them. Um, Serafina and Chiquetti, I'm not sure why, but they took a little hiatus on offering takeout food, but they're back doing non-contact takeout and delivery Delivery on favorite items from both restaurants. They, in addition, have daily meals for two. They're selling wine and other beverages, cocktails and things, and some other items. So that's going on in the East Lake neighborhood. And lots then lots
1: of people doing good deals on wine. I know you got some more on here, and then I'll tell you. I'll tell you one I know about that's not on here.
0: Oh, okay. You want to throw it in now?
1: Sure. Um, up at Saltoro, mm. they've got a really nice French. White blend Ooh. 15 bucks a bottle.: Ooh, it's pretty good for a restaurant. Yeah, so uh, and yeah. I know you got a couple on here, and we'll, we'll get into those yeah. too.
0: Um, one of the surprises for me, and I haven't really been paying to, a lot of attention to hotels because like, where are you going to go? <laughs> but the whole the hotel bellwether on Bellingham Bay reopened on the 23rd of April. They got an SBA loan, which is used, being used to pay employees. And with employees, then they can have guests, provide room service, and a little relaxation. So, And their restaurant, the Lighthouse Bar and Grill, is open for family-style takeout options that feed four. And they have a rotating menu of two new items each night, and they're also selling wine. And then Mondello in Magnolia has curbside pickup and delivery seven days a week. A lot of places are doing it five days a week. Mm -hmm. So these guys are every day... Delivery at no charge in Magnolia, anywhere in Magnolia. They're offering a to-go combo meal menu as well as family options. And they're doing discounts of up to 50% on select bottles of wine for pickup and home delivery orders. So you can reach them at com or their phone number, which is on their website. And then Zeke's. I I, I like Zeke's. Zeke's has always been kind of a tongue-in-cheek place. Mm-hmm. And they, their uh, emails have been very funny about, you know, just how they phrase things and how they're looking at the world right now. It's
1: tongue-in-cheek because you have to keep licking the vegetables out of the sides of your cheeks. Yeah, and that great get, cheese get and that marinara from the sauce. All, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they've been offering amazing beer deals, and they're not only helping themselves, but they're helping breweries. And now they've got um, three wines for $18 each. It's a Murray Cabernet from Hightower, Le Cole Rosé, and Cayona Chardonnay. Um, I looked up these three, and uh, the Murray Cabernet and the Le Col Rosé are screaming deals at 18 bucks. The Cayona Chardonnay, unless I think they must offer more than one Chardonnay, because this was not a screaming deal. Cayona Chardonnay that I saw was less than 18 so paying mm. 18 seems, but it could be a different Chardonnay. But um, in any case, again, eighteen dollars for restaurant wine is and pretty good. And those are good wines. Yeah, they're really nice wines.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, they're also doing dry fly Moscow mules and spicy lemonade and some other beverages. So, and uh, you know, you would hope that if you're going to buy something like that from Zeke, you'd go ahead and get a pizza or a salad. So, so
1: someone was, uh, I think it's a Ridge is doing a thirty-two ounce mason jar of beer or sangria. Oh. And they said that it had all kinds of great spices in it, including cinnamon, something else, and agave nectar. Mm, so not So I had to comment and say, I'm sorry, but agave nectar is not a spice.
0: <laughs> well, <clears throat> earlier today you talked about spices, and I threw in garlic, which is not a spice. So there you go. We all make mistakes. I
1: have powdered garlic in my spice rack. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe powdered or
0: salt or something, but I was thinking fresh garlic.
1: Um, the first thing
0: I've seen about Mother's Day, which is coming up in May this month, is, was from Thierry and Kathy Rotoreau. They closed Luke and Lule, but Kathy is um, a floral master. And so for Mother's Day, she's created floral arrangements that you can purchase to give to mom as a gift, and Terry is baking brown, butter, orange madeleines to go with it. So uh, $5 from each arrangement is going to go to Food Lifeline. And I looked at their website. It looks like there's some options of a bottle of wine and some madeleines or flowers and madeleines or wine. So they've got some options, and they range from $20 to 100 The only thing that worried me is they said they're slowly working on figuring out what to do next with both restaurants. Which sounds a bit ominous to me. That's mm-hmm. not like we can hardly, well, they did say we can hardly wait to see you all again, but this sounded like, yeah, we'll see what we're going to do. So I'm hoping they will be opening back up.
1: Well, this has been an opportunity for anybody who could financially float to do remodels, yeah. deep cleans, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, definitely when things get open up here, Uh, It is not going to be the same world. No, it's not. It is not. Um,
0: I think we might have mentioned last month uh, Barking Frog, but each week they're doing a frog box that's been hand-curated by Chef Bobby. It's got premium meal ingredients for a family of four, a recipe card, and a paired bottle of Woodenville wine. And you can go out to Shop Willow's, My Shopify, Collections, Barking Frog, blah, blah, blah. Um, and a portion of their proceeds go to the food bank Woodenville Storehouse. So I think it's great that not only people are trying to keep their customers happy and interested in them, that they're trying to keep employees working, but they're also trying to get those food banks you know, back up to operating so that people who need them have things to get.
1: And that link is on our NewsBytes page yes. on seattledining.com. We hope so.
0: I'm not sure I actually did this. I just did this very
1: recently. The, I just got blee, it. Blee, blah, blah. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay.
0: I don't think I put it on yet, but we will. We will. <laughs> um, so once again, these are just a few places of doing things. So please, if you've got a favorite spot or a place you've been wanting to try, go out online on their website and see what they're doing or Facebook or something. And don't forget to go look at wineries, cideries, brewers, distillerators. They're making deals right now.
1: So. Yes. You could be shopping for Christmas right now.
0: Ooh, what a great thought. With your unemployment check. Spend it on Christmas gifts. There you
1: go. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, take a little break. And when we come back, we have a special guest who is in business doing a bang-up drive-through service right now. And delivery. Jeremy with Pecos Pit will be joining us very soon.
2: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food, and good wine infuses everything they do.
3: All menu items are free of gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm-fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at revolvefoodwine.com.
0: Hi, this is Lisa from Seattle, and we love to celebrate at Canlis Restaurant.
3: I'm Ben Dimitri from La number 41 Winery, and you're listening to The Seattle Dining Show.
1: Back on the Seattle Dining Show, I'm Tom Merrin, the publisher. I'm here with the front of the house, Connie Adams, and we have a special guest in the studio right now. Who do we have here? We have
0: Jeremy McLaughlin, and
1: we have known Jeremy for
0: I don't want to say uh, it's a minimum of 19 years. It's more than that now. Yeah, that's yeah. a little scary. 15, 15, 20. No, it's 30. It, cooking with Class is 19 this year. Oh, yeah. so and I knew you before then. So. Yeah. It's it's over 20. Good god. Almost as long so. as he's worked at Salty's. Yeah, well. That's my first question for you. Were you
3: at my graduation from culinary school? I was at your, booth. Oh, that's
0: right. that's <laughs> right. your birth. You didn't remember the gift I got? It was really great.
3: I don't think I've opened it yet.
0: Oh, okay. You're you're saving it for some special time.
3: Yeah, it's a bottle of Leonetti, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. It's a uh, just a whole line. What am I trying to say? The uh when you have it every year.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. The where, succession? Where is, I don't know.
0: Where is
1: Tim when we need him?
0: Yeah. I anyway.
3: got him
1: one of the first sous-vides ever. It's a it's called a prehistoric sous-vide, and it's a it's a long stick that's been soaking in um, fuel. <laughs> <laughs> and then you light it up and put it in water, and it goes. Yeah. Remember really? that? Yeah. Remember
0: yeah. I got you that? Oh. Fire always goes in water, right? Yeah. <laughs> and keeps burning? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, That happens every time. Every time. <laughs> So Jeremy is here, and obviously we know him from Salty's on Alki, and but Salty Seafoods Grill in general. Mm-hmm. And now you have moved on to building the Pecos Pit Barbecue franchise system from Correct. the ground up. Yes. So I kind of wanted to go over your background for people, so they know where you came from, because your whole Salty thing is interesting. And is that where it all started, or had you worked elsewhere? And then let's move on to what's yeah,
3: happening today. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's funny, it's. All the young culinary students are going to, you know, think that they go to culinary school and they get out of culinary school and they're going to become the next top chef. Yeah. And, you know, I I feel like I'm proof that of hard work can get you there.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so I, I went to a high school program and the second half of the day they would ship us off to a, basically like a skill center. Mm-hmm. And we go to the skill center and we had a full functioning restaurant there that we served lunch at. Oh, wow. And it was a two-year program, and it was great. And, and where
0: was this? was this? This is in
3: Vancouver, Washington. Oh, okay. Down, down south a little bit.
0: Yeah.
3: And uh, about five or six years ago, my, my culinary instructor actually won uh, best culinary instructor this side of the Mississippi. Really? And he, he trumped out all of, you know, all of the colleges out there. So he, he runs a great program. Wow. And he's retired now. But, you know, we did that, and, and then I, I just always worked. You know, mm-hmm. I worked at a fast food restaurant. It was right behind Taco Bell, and it was called Taco King. And I think we just <laughs> – it was when Taco Bell was big, so when the line yeah. was busy at Taco Bell, people would go to Taco King. Yeah. And small business. <laughs> and uh, moved from there to opening a Newport Bay restaurant, which oh, those are wow. kind of going all over the place now. or yeah. They're kind of dying a little bit. I was going to
0: say, uh, the only one I know is either Vancouver or right over the water in, in Portland. It's yeah. right on there. That's the last one I know of. It's a Landry's
1: thing now, right?
0: Yeah,
3: it's a, no, it's a, yeah, it's an RUI and then Landry's bought RUI, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of rebranded that, but you know, it it gave me the good fundamentals in running a restaurant. I mean, they were very clean. They were very tight, very organized, Mm. had a great structure in place. They were growing. And then I went over and ventured at this little place, Salty's called Salties. A friend of mine in high school was a buster there and he said, you need to come over and check this out. So I started as a pantry cook and enjoyed the heck out of it and then they wanted me to come full time so i started as pantry cook full time and raised through the ranks and, and you were 18 18 yeah wow yeah but you know it's uh i always have had that drive to want to do better mm-hmm. so i was always want to be the best pantry cook now i want to be the best fry cook and i want to be better than the best fry cook now i want to be the i want to move to saute so i spent about 4 years there Uh, Became, you know, relief sous chef, some management duties. And then I had the opportunity to move up to Seattle the first time. And I moved up to Salty's at Redondo, became Mm -hmm. a sous chef there. And then, you know, some players got switched around and I had the opportunity to move up to Salty's on Mm Alki and became sous chef there and then executive sous chef. Then an opportunity happened to open down in Portland. So I took the executive chef job down in Portland. Wow. At the ripe age of 27 years old.
0: wow, That's amazing. Running a amazing.
3: $5 million restaurant. Um, with a lot of people thinking I couldn't do it. And so, it worked. And it worked. Yes. <laughs> so you know, I, I stayed there for about two years. And then I, I had the opportunity to come up back up to Seattle and work for another restaurant group.
4: Oh. And it was
3: Ivers. Oh. There were some players that left Salty's. And they started running Ivers. And they wanted me to come over. And, uh, you know, the GM of, of Salty's. Uh, Bonnie David, she mm-hmm. fought and fought to have me stay in the company. And, you know, I looked at the the options of going to Ivers and working under these guys that I used to work with or going to Salty's and being the boss. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this has more opportunity. And that's when, you know, this has Eileen Mintz. This yes. has all these events. This has more promotional opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. So I took that. Yeah. And I worked at Salty's on Alki for a long time, corporate chef. Uh, we had a change up there. I worked as a GM for a year.
0: Oh wow! I didn't. I don't know that yeah. I knew that. Yeah. And as corporate chef, you were overseeing all three locations. Correct.
3: Right? Correct. Yeah. So you know, I was basically like a culinary, you know, support system for the for the other chefs, mm-hmm. designing menus, making sure food costs and all that stuff's in line.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I was also a corporate chef, but I was also running the store for a long time. And then I created an executive chef, and then I was corporate chef. Yeah. So working on new mm-hmm. initiatives and. Yeah, and then, you know, in 2013, the opportunity came for this Pecos. Mm-hmm. And that's when um, Jerry, you know, said, hey, you need to get down there and start working on this Pecos thing. Mm-hmm. So I started And this is on... Jerry
0: Kingen, who owns Salty's. And... Correct.
3: Correct. So I went down to uh, Pecos Pit Barbecue, which started in 1980, mm-hmm. and started learning all their smoking methods and all that stuff. Wow. And... Had you ever
0: done much barbecue? Really not?
3: Uh, not really. You know, I was always yeah. a quick smoker. You know, because I was yeah. quick smoking chicken or seafood. Yeah, he just uh,
1: binge watched the uh, Stephen Raichlen for a week, and yeah. he was he was there. He was
3: I was there. an expert.
0: <laughs> Got the big green egg, and yeah. the rest is history. Yeah,
3: but as long as you have that fundamental knowledge of how proteins break down and how food's supposed to taste and how things yeah. are supposed to cook, um, and you just do a ton of studying, yeah. uh, you can do it. You know, and I, I try and encourage. You know, anybody that's aspiring to be a chef or aspiring to learn to be a chef that, you know, when I was a sous chef at Salty's on Alki, I would spend one of my two days off. I lived up in the U district and I go down to the Barnes and Noble. I don't mm-hmm. even know if they're around anymore.
0: One, Well, they just closed Seattle.
3: Yeah. So I go down to the Barnes and Noble and I get myself a latte and I would just grab five cookbooks and I'd have a notepad and I would just read through them and just write oh. things that interested me. And I wouldn't have to buy the cookbook. But you know, I yeah. get all that vital information. I spent four or five hours there. You wow. did that
1: until they finally
0: kicked you out, right?
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, he became the GM of Barnes and Noble.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't bring a pillow and a blanket because they will kick you out. <laughs>
0: they get it after a while. When they you gave take him the a books...
1: certificate of completion, and... yeah.
3: yeah,
0: he took a books in, with his pillow into the Starbucks, and you know, yeah. <laughs> but
3: yeah, it's it, it the the culinary scene is so fun and so amazing and. It's just so great because it's it's just constantly changing. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to eat, and you just have all these great products. And I I tell everyone that you know I'm going to die not knowing everything. Yeah, you know,
1: after all the studies all your life. Yeah,
0: yeah,
3: and and that's that's a really interesting field to be in.
1: And let me ask you: Do do you think that some of those things that you learn sitting in that lounger at the Barnes and Noble, (laughs) some of those things now have evolved beyond what you thought? at that time was the way to do it, right? You've learned more about food and... Yeah, I,
3: yeah, you got the the gastronomic thing that just blasted through everyone with, you know, the Spanish chef and, you know, you have all these different techniques. But, yeah, it's it's really funny because it kind of... The, the, the things that I learned as reading those cookbooks is I learned all the classics. And you really don't see those on menus anymore. You don't yeah. see quiche Lorraine, you don't see lobster Thermidor, yeah. you, you know, you don't really see that stuff. And I think that it might have a comeback.
0: Actually, recently I've seen Coquille Saint-Jacques a couple times, uh-huh. and it's like, really? Because yeah. when I was maybe 20 or something, that was like, oh my god, that is the best thing ever in the world.
1: I think some of the methods that are available now for cooking that type of stuff are, are better. Like, uh, you know... It, for me the sous vide is like so it when it comes to fish or seafood. And we didn't have that 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you're I right. I mean, I know it was around, but it wasn't it wasn't a popular item and uh I you know, I screwed up a lot of fish between then and now. But now I get really good fish and something like a lobster thermidor, I could see vacuum packing that guy and cooking him in the sous vide instead of in baking him in the oven. I don't know
3: yeah you know the sous vide is super interesting you know it's uh that that whole movement and you know it's it's teaching people how to not overcook their stuff Mm -hmm. and it's added kind of a clinical thing to the skill of cooking where you know you got to put it in the water bath you got to seal it you got to make sure you know the water vibrates you have to make sure that uh, you keep it at this certain temperature for this long Mm -hmm. and uh and then you pull it out and then you sear it or whatever and you go from there mm-hmm. and it, it's really amazing i mean i think one of the best sous vide dishes i've ever had was at miller's guild mm. and he does a short rib
0: oh, yeah. like a mm. big short
3: rib that he sous vide until it's tender yeah and then he sears it and you're eating a short rib that is medium rare yeah. it's like what is going on right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, it, but it's cooked all the way through but it's, but it's soft
3: Yeah, but it's soft and cooked all the way yeah. through. Where short rib traditionally, you would have to roast it in a pan for six hours or whatever, yeah. you know, and then mm-hmm. to break down all that cartilage. So right, yeah, yeah. I, I I love sous vide cooking. I think it's amazing. You know, we do a sous vide chicken at at, at Salty's. Um, I think it's helped people with their with with the way that they cook seafood. You know, and 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 you're right. You know, a lot of people. The the number one problem with people is that they overcook their fish. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah, they just they just do. And and you got to look at quality of ingredients also. Yeah, you got to buy the best stuff. I, I tell people, you know, when I had my radio show back in the day, I tell them I just say, this is what you do. If you're planning a dinner, you go to Safeway and you buy everything you need except the like nice veggies and the nice meats yeah. and then you go to Met Market or Whole Foods and get that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you do the opposite you're going to buy everything at Met Market and you're going to walk out with a $600 bill. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and uh, have you played around with doing any barbecue in a sous vide? Not yet, no. I mean, it, it, the thing with
3: barbecue, the hardest thing with barbecue is that you do not want to it's very critical to create that infusion of smoke at the beginning raw state of the product. Mm-hmm. So like a brisket, if you smoke a brisket, you're going to want to infuse that smoke into that brisket over the, over the first five or six hours. Mm-hmm. After that, there's no smoke that's really going to penetrate the inside of that brisket. And It's like if you seared something, you're not going to you know, penetrate searing. that. Yeah. No. So
1: I have the answer. What is it? You brine the, the – let's say you're going to do ribs. You brine the ribs for 12 hours minimum in a mixture of apple juice, water – and so people are going to bite their tongue when they hear me say this. Liquid, Liquid smoke. smoke. Yep. Nah, and that puts the smoke into the meat right then. And then you can go ahead and rub it, and then vacuum pack it and sous vide it.
3: Have you tried this? Yes. Are you trying to sell it's me a recipe? Delicious. delicious.
1: <laughs> I'll get you the recipe.
3: Yeah, we'll just we'll just throw out the five big smokers we have. And, <laughs>
1: And Tom will be back there. Yeah, with just the replace them with a bunch of plastic <laughs> containers.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and then when like, I come out next time, I won't be able to take pictures. Or Yeah,
3: the middle of summer, we go through, you know, 50 <laughs> or 60 cases of ribs. But Tom will be back there <laughs> sealing all those, I'll, putting I'll, them I'll in a I'll water just bath. come
1: by every 12 hours and rotate the protein around. Yeah, exactly. we could, like,
0: recreate those smokers and 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 just
1: put sous vide in them from the top down. You know? <laughs> And you know what's funny? If you, if you put it in the sous vide like 12 hours, the, the, the meat does pull back on the bone just like it would on a grill.
0: Right. But it's right. so moist. Mm. Mm.
1: So here's my question for
0: you. Sometimes when I think about sous videing fish, mm-hmm. I'm like, are we dumbing everything down just like the car can park itself now? No one knows how to cook fish, and that's a, that's a wonderful skill. You know, I mean, people who cook fish in a restaurant all the time know exactly how to do it and exactly not how not to overcook it. If you can do it in the sous vide without thinking about that, are we dumbing that down, or is it just an additional way to do things?
3: I I think one of the best things about sous vide fish is that you know, fish has a lot of fat in it. You know, whether it's salmon, I mean, even halibut has fat in it. Mm -hmm. And when you when you cryovac it. You are keeping all that fat. So it's cooking in its own fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes it so delicate and amazing. And then you can add infused butters or anything like that. You throw it on a grill, the grill's gonna flame up, that fat is releasing from it. Oh. You know, and you so, don't get the same goodbye flavor. Goodbye moisture. Yeah. yeah you know, okay. I had a chef once that told me, you know, he was doing a cooking class, I saw him and he was doing a cooking class and he said, Yeah, I'll, I'll bloomin', you know, when it comes up, that's basically when you want to flip the fish. And if I see the fat coming out of that fish, that fish is overcooked to me.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know,
3: I like to sear the fish on one side, flip it over. It's golden brown and then just turn the stove off and just let it sit there for a second and it will sear the bottom. And then you just serve it and it's beautiful. Yeah. But the sous vide thing is great because you can add, you know, thinly shaped garlic, rosemary, compound butter to it. And Mm -hmm. then you seal it up and you throw it in there and it just all cooks in there. Yeah. But it almost has, like, more of, like, a poached flavor to it. Or mm-hmm. if you want that crust, you're going to want to
1: sear it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you could do that in the final. And, and that's another protein that you could do a little liquid smoke brine with, too.
3: If you want to go that but way.
1: But, no, I wouldn't yeah. do apple juice. I do wine. You do wine? A little wine, a little liquid smoke, and I get that halibut or that salmon just brined up nice, and then I rub it. And... I
0: have to say, he put some liquid smoke in with some prawns. In the Sous vide and I was like, I don't think this is gonna be very good. (laughs) But you know what? It was good.
3: You know what you could do also is you could actually make your own liquid smoke, which is really fun. Right. You know? So if you have have a smoker at home, you would just you would just do cheesecloth, you put the cheesecloth in a water bath or whatever, and then you would smoke it, basically. Oh, okay. Or you could smoke the cheesecloth and then put it in water afterwards, and then that would create that liquid smoke kind of flavor. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It just Sucks it out of the cheesecloth.
3: Right. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I've learned with smoking is that, you know, certain smoke, certain woods give different flavors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I would never smoke a brisket with applewood because applewood burns hot. It's sweet, but it has a a lot of creosote to it. Mm. So you're not going to spend six hours smoking with applewood. Applewood, for me, would be something that you would smoke. For a short period of time, like a
0: chicken or something.
3: Chicken, bacon. They do bacon oh, where they'll okay. season. It's pretty much seasoned with applewood um, smoke. It's not cooked all the way through.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I, I see a whole line of liquid smoke coming from pesos, Pecos Pit with the, like the applewood model, yeah. a bottle of applewood, a bottle of mesquite, a bottle of alder.
3: Yeah, we're we're actually going to do a, a line of that and a line of deodorant. Yeah, Smoke deodorant. <laughs>
1: Well, then we'll you just, never and
3: then, have a girlfriend ever.
1: You, can just, you can just have to be the same product, that's all.
0: And now, now we're going to have to move this from May to April so it can be our April Fool's show. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so over the years, what's one of the best things you think you ever made?
3: Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's hard for me. Um, you know, I think that the, the things I'm most proud of is some of the winemakers' dinners that I've oh, done. Oh, yeah. Because I've done winemakers dinners, there's seven courses. Uh, one of the most creative things that that we've done as a team of salt at Salties is we used to do gifts from the earth at South Seattle Community College. Oh yeah. And I did my first year, and I was looking around, and I'm like, okay, this is I'm I'm doing four courses, and I looked around at all these other chefs, and they're doing six courses. Oh. And, you know, and you're you're building all these courses. You have a table. You have two tables of ten, and you're building all these courses. You know, they're building these courses, and I'm like, okay. And then the next year, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow it, you know, yeah. out of the water. So, you know, I think we got up to 12 courses one time. Oh
0: man! And they're
3: all themed dinners, and we had so much fun creating that. And you know, it's at the end of January.
0: Oh, everybody's and, looking for something fun to do. at It. Some yeah, and we never. had a little
3: time to do it, and then you know, purses get tight, and then we stop doing it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I was really proud of that. But I think, I think one of the, I, 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 I'm not gonna say one of the best. I'm gonna say the best event is Cooking with Class.
4: Oh, in the you. city of
3: Seattle, I really think that. I, I think that it gives. The opportunity for people to have a one-on-one experience with the chef mm-hmm. and have that fun of an environment. They have great appetizers. They have f- free yeah. flowing wine yeah. in a great venue. Uh, they got a great photographer.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Tom. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and a great person running on, it. You know, I mean, it's a great idea. My arm isn't dislocated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Connie, yes. I have a question for you. All right. Because you're a fan of Jeremy. I am. What's what's one of the most memorable food things that he ever did that you remember? You know, actually, it was
0: an uh, auction dinner from Cooking with Class. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that Harry bought. Yeah, yeah. And then he and Rich invited us to come. So we were there, and you were smoking. This was before, well, it might have been the very beginning. No, it was before before he yeah. even started mm-hmm. and you were smoking a uh, rib roast or something what would you ribeye steak a rib yeah, eye steak, prime rib yeah oh my gosh and that it was another multiple multiple course things and we were on that side deck mm-hmm. under a tent under a canopy with that incredible view out there and the minute you even got into the parking lot you could smell that thing
3: yeah i think the i think the theme of the dinner was smoke on the water right
0: oh it might have been yeah and that yeah. was the other thing we didn't well we did always we, we did usually have something a theme in advance. Right. But um I like to surprise you too. Though. Yeah, there were there's always surprises on right. your dinners when you do that. And that was one of the the big things. But uh, and another I will thing tell you, that
1: that gave me a new outlook on ribeye cuz I'd had so much bad ribeye I just never ordered it anymore at restaurants. Right, right. And you showed me that a ribeye can be done where it's you can actually chew it. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. there's so much bad ribeye around town, you can't chew, and I, I don't even know why people sell it sometimes, because they do it so poorly. But you Are know, you talking
3: about a ribeye, like a grilled ribeye, or are you talking about like a prime rib?
1: It was oh well, No, I'm talking about like a grilled ribeye. Like
3: eye. a grilled ribeye? Yeah, and town. I've
1: learned how to do ribeye from that dinner. Yeah. I, I've tried to emulate – you won't give me the secret, but I've tried <laughs> my best, and uh, – I really get some nice ribeye now. I, I never would even buy it to cook, you know, because I didn't know how to cook it. Now right. I'm learning how to cook it better. And yeah. You know, was... I don't know that,
0: that – certainly you were not responsible for the cooking of these dinners that I'm going to mention. But as corporate chef and executive chef at Salty's, you were certainly training everybody. Mm-hmm. But I have told people a lot over the years that Salty's amazes me because – I worked for various companies, and they would have events there, and they would have 200 people right. downstairs, and they would get a piece of salmon in front of everybody at the same time, and it was all consistent. Yeah. It was excellent. And it's like, who who can – I mean, you should be able to do that. If you're going to cater, if you're going to do private banquets, you should be able to do that. But it doesn't happen all that often. Right. I mean,
3: it, it comes down to inspiring your team members to mm-hmm. always put the best product out. And, you know, a lot of times these young kids and, you know, people that come in, they just, they want to focus on what's hot and new and fun. Yep. And, you know, I, I remember at one point we had this guy that was making a special and you want to do this, I think it was sous vide something. this and that.
0: <laughs> His name was Tom.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and, and I looked at it and I said, okay, that's great, but your mashed potatoes aren't up to 10, you know, and yeah. they don't taste right. So get the fundamentals down first before you (laughs) (laughs) – learn how to walk before you start riding a motorcycle. Yeah,
1: exactly. Let's do this. We're having so much fun. Let's take a little break, and then we'll come back, and we'll we'll keep chatting it up. That sounds great.
2: Support for Seattle Dining and The Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. My name's Ryan. I live in Beacon
0: Hill, and my favorite restaurant to eat at is El Quetzal.
1: Hi, it's Greg Herschelt
2: from the Como Morning News, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
1: We're back on the Seattle Dining Show. We're back with Chef Jeremy of Pecos Pit and Salty's Fame. And uh, we, we're, we've arrived at the call-in portion of the show. <laughs> so uh, I've, I've got caller number one, uh, Dale from Shoreline. Go ahead, Dale. Uh, yeah, uh, I wanted to know from Chef Jeremy. Okay. Uh, what, when
0: you going open up more Pecos Pits? <laughs> no one can understand you, Dale. Uh, let me rephrase the question. I love Pecos, but I want something near my home, which is in the north end of Seattle. Uh, What's happening?
3: Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> we're working on two two stores right now uh, that uh, we're going to expand to, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to be opening those uh, probably in the very late spring
0: of 2020.
3: Uh, of 2020, and our goal is to open three stores this year. Oh, okay. uh, we are we are um, looking at another store. And then we have one in Federal Way, and then one, and the one in Federal Way is uh, is down there. Uh, it's not three twentieth, but it's three seventy eighth. It's the next exit, Oh, okay, right there by the Super Walmart. Okay, uh, and we'll be opening that, and it's got a drive through, and it's beautiful building.
0: Uh, and we built will that from be open? the
3: ground up. Uh, we're hoping we're hoping July oh, okay. will be the day that we'll we'll get that thing up and running, and then mm-hmm. we have a uh, property here in North Seattle. Uh, 143rd in Aurora. It's an old Taco Time that we oh, will yeah. switch that over, and that will be opening late summer, early fall.
0: Okay. So yeah, we and that's also a, as Taco Time would have it, a drive through.
3: Drive through also, yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's really interesting the model of barbecue drive through. You know, you don't really see it anywhere.
4: Yeah.
3: And you know, the brand of Pecos was always built on, you know, just sloppy sandwiches, and you're eating outside, mm-hmm. and you know, just that fun. You know, experience, and what we've done over the past six years is we've really worked at you know expanding our offerings and kind of you know giving a little bit more of a culinary theme, but still keeping that that modest mm-hmm. you know approach. So we're not putting kohlrabi, coleslaw, or pickled duck tongues on the menu. <laughs> you know, we're not going like way above. We want to yeah. still have that fast casual, but yeah. the the guiding focus is fresh you know, smoked every day kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, bring it in. It's fresh. It's beautifully done. It's quality product every single day.
0: Yeah. And one of the things you mentioned to me once was that you can look like a hero because you just go through that drive through about an hour before your guests arrive, take it home, throw it on the grill and don't overcook it. (laughs) And, uh, right, right. It's like, look what I've done for you guys. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know,
3: sometimes with a brisket, it takes you 16 hours to smoke. So you can call ahead and pick up a hot brisket from us. And, yeah. Can you, you know, tell just put smoker. a 14
1: hour smoke on it so I can do the last two at home? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This
0: is like the red phone you call in on when you want that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: That's hilarious. <laughs> But it's 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 really interesting. You know, we've talked a little bit about you know that switch, you know, or yeah. that kind of movement. And I've always, you know, people will say you've worked for the same person for 22 years, and I yeah, I understand that. But my the you know Jerry Kingan is a very innovative and very always out grasping for more. He's not a you know he's he's a guy that's Doesn't always
0: rest on his laurels. Always
3: want to learn. Always want to learn. Always want to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know. A lot of people are either being remembered or being forgotten, yeah. you know. And so I've moved around through all these restaurants so many times. And, you know, and then when I was corporate chef, I was, I was pushing so hard to make it better and, and, yeah. and, and seeing what's going on. And then the switch over to Pecos is such a huge learning opportunity for oh, me yeah. to figure out how we can franchise the same across the country and how you can do a fast casual concept. And it's, it, it's different. Oh yeah. You know, I mean a lot of times I miss the creative aspect of going into Salties and saying, "You know what, guys? I'm gonna I'm gonna do the special tonight. What do you have in your walk-in?" Yeah. Cuz that's a f- that's that was one of the most amazing things about Salties. You have lunch and dinner service. You walk in, you go, "Okay, what do we have in the walk-in?" <laughs> okay, we have a little bit of too much fennel. Okay, we're going to take that. And it's not old. It's just like, yeah. "Okay, we have we have a good amount of fennel. We have this, we have that." Oh, we got this dry good that, you know, was on a special that we got one can left. Let's run a special or, you know, on the yeah. fresh sheet or last menu item. Let's put all this together. Now, how are we going to cook it? And then you build a special out of that. And then you offer that special every night. It's it's really amazing. Really I think fun. that would be I, so
0: fun for, for a chef who's creative. You know, it's like that's a challenge instead of going in and doing the same thing every night. Right.
1: I recall one night at Salty's when we were doing cooking With class, and we had a chef bail out about 3 in the oh. afternoon. And you just... It, it was like there wasn't even any like fire drill or anything. It was like we're gonna take care of it. And next thing I know, all this food's coming out, and it and it happened at that table the way that it, no like one it had ever been would planned for. It.
0: Actually, that's one of the things I've always admired about you because you're always calm. I'm like, oh my god, Some, right. it's five o'clock. We're starting flappable. at six, and uh, we don't have anyone at this table. We called them, and they forgot. And you're like, that's all right, we got it. Yeah. I mean, you're and, and I'm always like, what? You're like, we got it. Don't worry about it, and it and it always happens.
3: Yeah, yeah. Until I, uh, we have a punching bag. It's Halti's. So. Oh.
1: Thank
0: Connie. It, I was <laughs> going to say, does it have my face on it? <laughs> if my face is painted on it, I'm going to be a yeah, little Yeah,
1: we worried. need to have a video camera in the kitchen when they go through the double doors and then the yelling starts. You
3: know, <laughs> yeah. you know I, I, I mean, I, I think everyone has their strengths and weaknesses, and, you know, I, I, have my, I have a ton of weaknesses. And, you know, I think my strength can be viewed as a weakness sometimes. But when I hear information, it takes me a little time to process it. Mm -hmm. So every time I hear something, I go, hmm, okay. And then. Oh, so
0: you don't react right off the bat? I don't.
3: I I want to gather information first, I want to get to the bottom of it.
0: Yeah.
3: You know, and sometimes, you know, I mean, I can make on the fly decisions, but, you know, a lot of times it's like, okay, well, let me figure out actually what's going on. Yeah. Because if you trust the source right away, you could you freak out you you could be going the wrong direction, right, and it makes you look foolish, and you know? that
0: person may have been overreacting to something that isn't that bad Correct. or actually isn't right, what they were saying, yeah,
3: yeah, and and you know there's nothing worse than you know trying to get something for the guest, and you walk up to the line, and the chef's screaming at you, Oh you know? yeah. oh yeah, or throwing a plate at you, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, no, 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 we got it, don't worry, we got yeah. it, you know, and then okay, and then they can focus on making sure the guest is happy. Yeah. And, you know, well, that's what I learned at a young age.
0: And I think that's another thing that um, you would think everybody in the hospitality arena would know, but, and most do, but it is all about the guest. So take yourself out of it. You know, right. take your ego out of it. Take whatever out and just say, what do we need to do to make the guest happy? And I think that's what happens with cooking with class is you're like, okay, we've got eight people three times, so there's 24 people wandering around with nothing to do at some point in the evening. How are we going to fix that? You right. Know? Right. And
3: Yeah, I learned at a young age. I worked at Salty's on the Columbia and this this sous chef that was there. He was he was a great guy and I was a fry cook and I was doing my best. I really was. And you know, he was that bombastic yeah. yell, scream. And this was before we had printers, so he would just yell back to me. I need two cocoa prawns. I say, okay. And then I'd write, you know, and then I put two up and so I could keep my rhythm. I need this. Okay. And, you know, and no. I just, I'm just firing things for him. And at one point he threw me in the walk-in and I was just like, I don't want to be like this. You know? Oh
0: my God. And I
3: was just like, I don't want to be this guy. No. This guy's too much. And, you know, it's, it's really funny as you go through life and your career, you almost learn more of what you don't want to be than what yeah. you want to be. Yeah, you know, and and I think that's a a, a really guiding light for people, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes is that they just want to focus on the negative, and it's like well, let's focus on the positive.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah. Let's figure this out. It can be figured out. And everybody's happier right. around you, you know, when it's handled that way. Yeah,
3: and and most of the time I say, yeah, I got this. It's the reason why I say I got this is because I have the infrastructure to have it.
0: You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I
3: didn't have strong people that, yeah. you know, are working with me and a walk
0: in full of food. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, ah, what? I got to go to the store. What? <laughs> I'm going to be at 7-Eleven. I'll be right back. Yeah. I, love, I love
3: the challenge. I mean, you know, MC MC cooking with class and do the cooking class. So You got to run over. Oh, and my do it. gosh. I mean, it's just fun.
0: Yeah. Although last year you had to do this again for us and yeah. you brought somebody from Pecos. Yeah. So that you were able to leave that person in charge of the table while you did the M and the mm-hmm. auction and then you'd go back and during class but you weren't, you know full to it's all
3: yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh funny, you know, by the third class, you really can't make a mistake because they've had enough uh, drinks that uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> they're already lubed up. They're fine. They're having so much fun, it doesn't even matter. Yeah,
3: it doesn't really yeah. matter. It doesn't really okay. matter. And
0: that's actually one of the things I love about that event is that even when people first walk in, they're already happy. Yeah. They love the event, and the chefs love the event, at least unless they're lying to me. No, they but love they, it. They really seem to love it. And so... Everybody's coming into the same room, happy to be there. It's yeah. not like a fundraiser, you know, where oh god, let's see how long we have to stay and we can get out, you know. Yeah, want it's, to be it's there.
3: interactive, you know. I mean, as a chef, the, the the best thing about the event is that you get to hang out with other chefs.
2: Yeah. you
3: get a you you get this one on one time with you know what is it twenty four people.
0: Yeah, yeah, total. 24
3: people total. You you bring as much product as you need for that event, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. You know, a lot of these events, Taste of Washington, which is canceled, yeah. uh, this, uh, which uh, or just happened, um, you know, you bring – you're trying to, like, guesstimate how much you have. And you have that, like, window of, like, 10 seconds where you can do an impression. But when you have 55 other restaurants, how can you get that impression out? Yeah. And that was the hardest thing for me doing all these events is I I wanted to give a lasting impression with my taste. So I try all these crazy things yeah. and it was just like, oh God. OK, let's try two dishes next year, you know, because yeah. you just want to have that lasting impression. But yeah. they're so fogged over that they just don't they just there's just too much going on.
0: Yeah, I used to tell that to, when I was doing PR, I would tell that to my clients. It's like you need to get your name out there. Taste Washington is going to put you in front of a whole bunch of people. And that's great. I wouldn't do it more than two years in a row. Right. Because there's just too often where people will take the food from you, turn, and somebody says to them, where'd you get that? And they go, I don't remember. I have no idea. You're like two feet from the table you got it at. You know, there's just so much. And it's fun as a yep. person to go to that. It's great. Right. But um, as a restaurant, you've got to really figure out the benefit you're getting from it and how to use it to yeah. your benefit. Right. Because there are re- ways that it's good for you. But um, – it's tough to do.
3: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it turned into a big event, and I was there for the, you know, catastrophic one that they did, oh. which was the one where they had too few of restaurants and too yes. many wineries. Oh, my God. And, you know, we were doing a prong cocktail, and uh, and the old chef from Ray's, uh, what was his name?
1: Charles Ramsayer. Charles Ramsayer, oh, yeah.
3: great guy. He's over there shucking oysters, and at one point we were doing these, you know, beautiful prawn cocktails that were individually served, and I just mm-hmm. finally, I just dumped it on the table <gasps> because people were just, you know, they were they were drunk, yeah, they had too much alcohol and they yeah. didn't have enough food, you yeah. know, which yeah. is you know which they learned from, which yeah. was great, but yeah. uh, it was it
0: was ah just get out mm-hmm. the
3: table. Yeah, well, so. you know,
0: I don't not everybody knows the whole history of it, but Penny Rawson, you remember yes, her? She Penny, did yeah. cooking with class for years with us. Um, and she was a caterer herself and she worked with David Lake um out at Columbia. Um and she would just say, you know, she was in this she helped start that and it was not a public event. It was an industry event. Yeah. And then yeah. Jamie Peha took it over when they decided, hey, let's let's do a public thing. But when Penny was doing it, it was a paired event. You had and in the first few years um that they took it public, it was like that. You had a restaurant with a winery on each side. Gotcha. And the wineries paired with that dish. Yeah. So yeah, you were changed. really, and, and in fact, that's one. That's of my, really cool. It's really cool. It's yeah. one of my favorite memories, actually, about Tom Douglas and Syrah, because I went to get in line to get his lamb, and the line was really long. So I went over and got the wine first, and I took the sip of Syrah, and it was like it tastes like dirt. You can tell how many years this was ago for me. Because I love it now, but yeah. Serata, it just tasted <laughs> like the earth. So then I went back, I was holding it and not wanting to drink it. I went back, got mine, got the lamb, took a bite of the lamb, took a sip of the wine. It was like, oh my God. Both of them were so good together. Mm-hmm. And it was now like. all
1: alphabetical.
0: Yeah, it's alphabetical. A, B, C, D.
1: Yeah. And they're
0: not, they're not meant to pair. I mean, the wineries aren't set, you know, supposed to pair with if they happen to be next to a, a food. Vendor, they're not supposed to pair.
3: Yeah, yeah. may or but may I not think happen.
0: If they went back to that, I think it's more memorable, right? You know, like that's a memory. Good God, that was when it was down on pure seventy or something. Yeah. Mm. And it was, it was before I was really into this business, which has been kind of a long time. Yeah, it was when I was trying to break in to writing and stuff. So, and I still remember that so clearly. So, you know, if they could go back to that kind of thing, might not be as huge of an event, but I think it's more memorable.
3: Yeah, I, I I think that they just it used to be one day only too right yeah yeah
0: and now it's you know Thursday through Saturday right. because of all the they do all these wine dinners which is great you know throughout the week and they do all these seminars which are great but most of the people want to go and eat and drink right so it's yeah. those two days that are really
3: yeah I, I you just got to try your hardest to just make the best dish so people try it and they go oh my gosh that was so good yeah and you know. I, I think it's great that there's so many options, especially for people that buy two-day passes. Yeah, you know, because they can do half one day and half the other day. Exactly. But but, uh, it's it's really funny at these all these events. You just wait for that moment. You're like, okay, when's that moment? And then you hear the glass crash, <laughs> yeah. and then everyone
1: cheers.
0: Yeah, it's the first time. Now we can all relax. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, so, maybe with the schedule changes here, you guys will do a taste of salties to kind of fill in. There you go. There uh, you go. I'll downstairs on a Saturday afternoon, and
3: yeah, yeah, there you go. We like could you, fit. We fit eighteen hundred people in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. easy. <laughs> so, uh, chef, I have a question. Um, Although you're not cooking in the kitchen at Salty's every day, um, what have you been playing with at home, food-wise?
3: You know, I've been playing with home-cooked meals with my family, doing a lot of Italian cooking. Mm. I bought a class, master class, and looking at Massimo stuff, and you know, some great master classes. Learning how to make pasta, and you know, doing a lot of that stuff. I want to get into brewing my own beer. I've never done that. I'd like to do that. And, uh, I'm kind of re retooling my garage to do kind of oh, okay. some fun stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I still get excited about the seasons. You know, mm-hmm. as yeah. as tomatoes come out or peas come out or favas come out, it's like, oh yeah, you know, uh, I just don't have the priceless ones at my fingertips as much as I used to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not eating caviar every night, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's it's still fun because I'm still trying to really engage in different cooking that I haven't done before, or haven't really dove into, you know, yeah. like any, pastas, raviolis, things like that.
1: Any gadgets you're particularly fond of right now? Uh,
3: not really. I've been smoking
1: okay. mostly.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest gadget. Uh, how about you, sous vide? That's what I'm guessing.
1: Well <laughs> how did you know? I think we had a uh we've been having a lot of fun with Sous vide. We've also uh got the thing to where we can make the zoodles now. Oh yeah, yeah, the spinner. And so we've yeah. been yeah. making the zoodles and that's been real good. Um, You've been making
0: your own pesto and hummus. Yeah. And that's not a tool, but you know.
1: It's yeah. still great.
3: Yeah. It's yeah, still it's great. Really
1: I learn a lot when I Actually, do it. How about you
3: tahini? Know. Have you ever made tahini before?
1: I have not made the tahini yet. It's but the I easiest could.
3: thing in the entire world. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. it's All up. you do is you just get the tahini paste, the sesame seed paste. You add water and lemon juice and salt to it and blend it up.
1: Couldn't we and, just yeah. take whole sesame seeds and rip them in a grinder?
3: You could try that if you want to go through that yeah. process. Huh. Yeah. I mean, you got, I was you must have more time on your hand than I do.
0: You know, one of your... Your tools that you've really started using a lot lately, but you've had it for years, is the freezer. Yeah, yeah. He's mm. freezing. He makes stuff like, like this um, hummus or the pesto. Oh and yeah. F- and he uses what he needs and freezes
1: it in in big Little ice cube. portions. Or like I buy cubes. a jar of adobo, right? Chilies, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then yeah. I'm not gonna use them all in one. F- meal so i just throw them in the uh, little one ounce ice cube things and freeze them up and now i got that instead of throwing it away because i got tired of food waste
3: right yeah. right yeah my if- that's my wife or my um my mom's biggest thing is that she freezes everything yeah. i think sometimes to her detriment but you know i mean after our when i you know our reception or rehearsal dinner Before my wedding, I think a year later she was still eating the spaghetti sauce for that (laughs) thing. (laughs) It's gotta go.
1: There's no moisture left in any of it.
3: But yeah, it's it's quality control. You know, it's what you want. Yeah, and then you've got
0: it. One of the nice things about it is that because we work at home, all of a sudden it's like time to break for something to eat, and it's like I'm going out because I don't have anything. Left in the house right. Whereas he can just go Oh you know what I've got something over here And I
1: can use that From the I fridge i some and- guacamole And some beans And yeah. some rice In that freezer And I can make up A nice little bowl Yeah,
3: yeah it, it all depends On what freezes well You know I mean yeah. that's the biggest thing Is yeah. that you don't yeah. want to freeze Some things you don't want to freeze But other things freeze really well If they have a lot of fat in them Like an avocado mm-hmm. It's going to mm-hmm. freeze great yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: yeah Jeremy thank you, this thank, was thank, so you. Was thank you That was fun Thank you for coming up yeah. You'll have yeah. to come back
3: Okay, I I think I will.
1: All right, then.
3: (laughs) I'll be back tomorrow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be right back.
2: Support for Seattle Dining and The Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today.
3: Hi, I'm Josh from Capitol Hill. I can't make up my mind what my favorite place is yet.
2: Hello, this is uh, Tracy
1: with Heritage Meats from rochester washington and you're listening to the seattle dining show We're back on the Seattle Dining Show. I want to thank Chef Jeremy for dropping by and doing the interview with us. We actually did it way back in early March. Yeah, before we couldn't sit together. Yeah, before we had to be six miles apart. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, we're, we're here at the uh, closing edition where we... Give you some tips and tricks. So what do you got for tips and tricks?
0: Well, I was thinking about this um, in terms of how you research and and plan things out and how I do it. And when you're cooking more at home, I think you have to give yourself permission to make some mistakes because it's fun to try something new. And I was thinking that you have a very good palate about what flavors go together. And I think that comes with trial and error, Mm -hmm. you know. And this is a great time to just know that you're going to make some errors. You know, you don't want to ruin an expensive piece of fish or meat uh, with money being tight right now. But you can experience, experiment with sauces, herbs, spices, etc. to get a better idea of what goes well with each other, what you like on your tongue, and uh, how you might make a recipe of your own. Or, you know, you're looking at somebody and thinking, I wouldn't put cumin in there, I would put... You know, and get a good idea. And then if something does go bad, you've got some time to redo it. you got well, some time on your hands.
1: You could you could do this a little bit visually first online by doing some research. So, you know, we, we learned that uh, cumin and cinnamon go really nice in Mexican rice. Mm-hmm. But the only way we found that out was we bumped into it one day in a recipe. So if you're thinking about making a recipe – Go and look up ten recipes yeah. online, and see what the variations are that people are doing. And look look for ones by by reputable people. Yeah. You know, like um, um, Kenji. Kenji Alt Lopez is uh, he's got some great ideas. You know, and he's done all that time in the kitchen research. Half the time, yeah. he's done it all for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so see what he's doing. You know, I'm like don't look at—I I, I hate to say this—don't look at what Martha Stewart's doing because she's cooking like your grandma did 80 years yeah. ago. You're not going to get much new insight out of her. But some of these younger chefs that are that are really spending time trying different things—they're going to inspire you. That's mm-hmm. what you're looking for: some inspiration. Yeah. The other thing too,
0: I would mention is that uh, a couple of times I've gone out, and I—I I will refrain from mentioning names. But I've gone out to somebody who has like a cooking school, Mm -hmm. and and they periodically will throw a a recipe out there to get you interested in thinking, boy, they've got some good stuff. I'd like to go to that class. Well, I've tried some of those recipes, and I've never had them work out. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's because when you're trying to run a school, you don't want to give away your product. So, Mm. you know, you make it, maybe they leave something out, or they don't quite tell you the whole story, and then you're thinking, maybe I better take that class and figure out what I'm doing wrong. You know, I don't know, hmm. or maybe I did it wrong myself. I don't know, but I would worry a little bit about cooking school recipes.
1: Yeah, good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. And and look for the new stuff. You know, don't look look yeah. for the the Sunset Cookbook or the Betty Crocker Cookbook. Forget all that stuff. That's all old school stuff, and it's, it's honestly it's not very good. Yeah, it was so. at the time we thought it was great. That's how we learned to cook was out of Betty Crocker.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, but. How about you? What's your tip for the month?
1: Uh, My tip is uh, we're all getting uh, lots of to-go food right now, assumably. In fact, you know, my kitchen just looked at me today and it said, when are you going on vacation? I need a break. (laughs) And I looked at the kitchen. I said, gee, I didn't know you could talk. (laughs) So, uh, but anyways, when you get the to-go food, you know, you can, uh, you don't have to eat it all at once. Like I ordered Mexican food, and I got some cheese enchiladas, some rice, some beans, some chips, some salsa. Mm-hmm. I threw the chips and salsa in the fridge. Yeah, and then I had them the next day for lunch. Yeah, I the chips do well all in all the fridge. Once. They did. Yeah, they did okay. Wow, I've done this a couple times now. Okay, so
0: yeah, yeah I actually do that a lot too. Um, I'll get something. No, I do it more like with Chinese food, or certainly pizza. Something that, you know, I I like a variety. Like with Chinese food, I like several different flavors. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to eat two dishes and an appetizer. I'll get three meals out of that. Yeah. You know, so I I do like to do that. We're
1: trying to come out of this lockdown at close to the weight we were when we went in. Yeah. And there's a lot of temptation out there right now with everybody inspiring you to bake and all this stuff. You know, I don't cook with flour, any kind of flour, very often. Yeah. So, uh, you know. You gotta, you gotta go moderation. Yeah. And that goes for the to go food too. Yeah,
0: you know, that kind of, I think about this when I have breakfast at your place because you really like to make sure you get the things you need. And that includes fruit and maybe some protein mm-hmm. and something else. So then when we add monkey bread to it, then we've got some bread with the nuts inside. We've got and an a orange. dried fruit,
1: which has a high sugar content. Yeah.
0: And we've got fruit and we've got bacon or we've got an egg. And that, for me, is a bigger breakfast than I would ever normally eat.
1: I don't make it that big. Like today, I I, I ate the last of the monkey bread, and I just had it with bacon and um, and an egg. Yeah. But One see, egg. For me, that's still kind of a big breakfast. I don't normally eat, except on weekends I will eat like that.
0: But So I'm just saying that, to agree with you, that you're trying to come out of it close to the weight you went in. Mm-hmm. And so if you do that, what we're doing, what I think we both do, is maybe I have no lunch or I have a really pared-down lunch, you Uh know, so I'm not just eating three big meals.
1: If you had a big dinner, feel free to skip breakfast the next day. Yeah, you know, make it work for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
0: right, it is time to wrap up our May show. Thank you for joining us. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free.
1: All right, we want you to dine safe, we want you to dine well, and we want you to order to go often. We'll see you next month on the Seattle Dining Show. See ya.
2: Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the host and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.